and that you can go out to the store right now and buy delicious sugar-free chocolate that's deeply soul-satisfying and makes you feel like you're falling in love still with that phenylethylamine in it, but does not leave you in the dumpster of sadness after you're done. So you can have it all. Hey, ladies, and welcome to Herspective. And hey, you, we're actually on a FaceTime while we're doing this intro, and it's kind of the first time we've seen each other in a little while, yet again. I feel like we're a broken (laughs) record when we talk about that. I know, because the world sucks and I live far away, so. (laughs) In summary. If we're we're being honest. (laughs) Well, I feel like the world is getting a little bit better. I'm trying to be optimistic. Yes. I've I've been really into manifestations and affirmations lately, getting back on that journal writing and literally Are looking you? at my um, little uh, affirmation that I've written on a, my side mirror in the office. So What's I feel like because of everything happening with the world, I need to like just keep myself in a positive uh, mindset. And of all the guests that we've had on the show, like this one (laughs) is the kind of thing they keep telling us to do. So yes, um, what does it say? It says, I attract abundance, abundance in health, wealth, love, happiness, and friends. Girl, that's so cute. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) And one of the affirmations I actually took from a uh, Instagram reel is, um, I do not chase, I attract what is mine will find me. So that's one of the affirmations I say daily too. I don't really Really? know what I mean when I'm saying it, like what in particular, but yeah. What are yours? So mine is I am a magnet for health, wealth, and happiness. Okay. And I hate to report it. Thanks for calling me out. I've been slacking on my manifesting. Um, And I'm glad you called me out because this has been something that I um, really am like, craving like I keep thinking about it so it's like I guess the universe telling me to get back into it but I'm like craving it and I I I don't know I feel like I kind of suck at it (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know why it's so easy to start and actually you know why I got back into it recently is because I was saying those type of affirmations just those two quick ones just it would pop in my head I'd be driving I would be sitting like on the couch, I'd be lying in bed about to go to sleep. So in my way, I was just like, I'll just keep putting this in the universe. And like, you know, yes. hopefully this, this, if, if nothing else, but just positivity surrounds me in my life, I'm happy. Um, but I also like speaking of, I think because I had been thinking of some other things, some things I wanted to change, some people I wanted to reconnect with in life. And then I did. So this weekend was kind of an interesting weekend because I did connect with a friend um, that I hadn't seen in over a year, uh, obviously because of COVID, but also, yeah, but also because of just life, um, some changes. And I've spoken about it on the show before um, in terms of just like on a relationship episode where it's not just about... um, intimate relationships or romantic relationships but like breaks up breakups happen in friendships too so anyway was able to connect with that friend and like it was so great it was just like hours of just chatting like our old times and um I feel like because I had been putting that out in the universe it kind of opened that opportunity up so 
yeah, I love that it. story, and I absolutely love. Like, I'm a sucker for like friends reconnecting, and like you know, obviously, unless something terrible happened and it's unsalvageable, which is hard to say too, because I don't. I hate that thought that something is unsalvageable, especially something like a friendship. So I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's been a lot of like life things happening uh, in our inner circle and our friendships and things like that and, and you know we new life yeah new life like we've heard people like a bunch of our friends are pregnant or pregnant again um buying houses like really great things and I mean you kind of had a, a friendship reconnect in a way too I know um, this, this weekend. weekend a couple of them and it's not friendship reconnect more so than finally seeing some friends that I hadn't seen in a while and obviously it fucking sucks that I moved. I'm like, I'm happy that I moved. <laughs> Let's just say that. But like, when I come home, um, you know, back to Toronto and, and see people, oh God, it's hard to come back home to Niagara. And then, you know, anyways, it's it's a yeah. tough, it's tough. I feel very torn. But anyways, yeah. So we're Hopefully Ian's not home. listening to this episode. Well, he knows and he gets it. And when I come back to Niagara, like I love it here and it's great, but it's tough. We like he didn't leave his friends so and family and everyone that he fucking knows so <laughs> I think he gets it and he understands I'm torn but he's like well he just always talks logic about it which is so fucking annoying too because obviously he can't compete with logic like we have jobs here and like we can't just well leave. there's pros <laughs> and cons right there was cons when you lived in in Toronto and there's cons yeah. when you live there's gonna be cons no matter where you live same with me moving out of um the yeah. city too i mean this has been years now but there's still and you're cons. only in pickering like if i was only in pickering i wouldn't even be saying a word right now you know what i mean it's so close i'm far i'm far well i am totally team you moving to pickering i know <laughs> you both <laughs> yeah <laughs> like well, how do we get that ball rolling no, um, just move ian's business and <laughs> oh yeah just those yeah. small like things that support things. your life that you know the livelihood minor detail uh but on the life event front like I know you've had some conversations with some people about having children and your views are like kind of um interesting on like what's gonna happen when you have a child (laughs) it's funny because we were having this conversation offline and um you're like I think people need to hear this I'm like do they Lauren, <laughs> but they my do. views, <laughs> my views are very, uh, like, not negotiable. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, I'm really stuck in the mud there. There's no moving because I'm having a daughter. Not yet. I'm not pregnant, but when I am, I will be having a daughter. <laughs> Which people have tried to like make sure that Jess is aware of how that actually works and you don't get to pick but oh I'm aware (laughs) but you've decided there isn't like an option you're gonna have a daughter but maybe maybe the universe does work like that and you can manifest that when you know that you're better going to have ready to have a child you and Ian I feel like he might want to say but you're oh he's he wants a daughter too and well he 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 doesn't have a say but anyways um you manifested (laughs) your son's appearance yeah I did um well I like to believe I did I did manifest Cole's look and yeah I wanted a 
I I picked the pieces from my husband and like Justin and I that I wanted to show up in in Cole with Jackson it was just like obviously want healthy happy baby and I got exactly that and he's just so beautiful too but with Cole because I was aware of like how like pregnancy it was my second time so I just felt more a little bit more confident and I just decided like he needs to be big blue eyes blonde curly hair tannable skin so he's not pasty white not that there's anything wrong with that yeah (laughs) wait a minute why didn't you talk to my mom about this manifesting? <laughs> but yes, yeah, so, um, and I got it. I got what I wanted. I got yes. my little manufactured baby that I manufactured well, inside my like, own body. Yeah, it's not so manufactured. Like, like who is it? Chrissy Teigen? Didn't she manufacture the sex of her baby? Oh, God. Who knows what rich people do? I think they, yeah, I think you can choose that. But anyways, um, and, and, okay, so this is what I'm a little scared about when I actually think about it is never once in the history of my life have I predicted what, like, a friend or anyone will be having for the baby correctly. So I've never, ever predicted that properly. I've, I've gotten it wrong every single time. Shocking. So what if, well, I, like, not even, it's 50-50. I think I get it, like, 50% of the time. I'm never, <laughs> every time, like, it's definitely a boy. It's definitely a girl. Always wrong. And what <laughs> if I just give myself the ultimate fucking wrong Wrong well, station or something. like you said, it's 50-50, so you're going to get some 50% chance you will be wrong in deciding that you're having a girl. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sexist. I just prefer women, <laughs> women to men. <laughs> Is it terrible? Is it fucked up? <laughs> well, a little because I think you prefer women to men in friendships and just like companionship. Yeah, I'm not even a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, you're not. Like, it is a bit odd the, that you say that. But at the same time, like, having a daughter is is harder, I think, as a mom. Moms and daughters often hate each other for, sure. for a period. For sure. I'm prepared for the teenage years where we hate each other, for sure. I don't know if you are. I don't, I don't know. A little bitch will get in line, all right? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> mother of the note. year. <laughs> mother of the year in training right here. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. I really, I hope your manifestation comes true, not. Um, no, but I mean, I don't know. I guess there's something to be said that maybe you can make it happen. Well, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> we will. This won't be happening anytime soon, folks. <laughs> no, no pregnancy announcement here. This is just for future. But you will be the first to know when Jess does announce her pregnancy. We'll just announce it to our Maybe listeners. I'll just announce it to you live on the pod. That would be fucking awesome. Please do that. Should I? I've decided yeah. that's the only way you're allowed to announce your pregnancy to me. Okay, fair. I want an audience to know. I think that'll be <laughs> At cool. The same time. Even, though, even though I edit it and it will be after the fact, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one has to know that part. These are I'll live episodes. Bad, uh, <laughs> if you have a bad reaction, I'll just edit it right out. <laughs> no, I'm just uh, Laura, we'll need to re-record again. your reaction, please. Yeah. <laughs> Make it authentic, okay? <laughs> yeah. But yeah. on that note, um, I really want to quickly just touch on the fact that Brittany wrote such a real post. I think her yeah. realist yet, I don't know if people yeah. saw, but basically she called everything out in a quick post. Um, just her family, her choice. Doesn't sound like she's going back to the stage anytime soon. So like all this is really happening and she's talking about like waiting for this to be finished. So the ball is for real in motion it's from the horse's mouth like 
just power to Brittany, and I hope it goes the way she wants it to go. Me too. Oh, my God. This woman And I hope her family gets what they deserve. Uh, Very much so. Like, uh, jail time even. Like, this isn't just, like, this isn't just you need to, like, quietly go. It's you need to be dealt with. This is so unfair. And, you know, I hope the, you know, she spent 13 years in this conservatorship. I hope the next 13 years are, like, 10, way better than they could have been. You know what I mean? I just want the most happiness for her. And I hope that fucking IUD is long gone out of her if she wants a baby, right? It's yeah. got to be at this point. That's the grossest part about this whole thing. Yeah. It's it's just really tragic, and I'm really curious to see who's going to play Britney in the Britney Spears movie when that comes out, because Lord knows it will. Well, as so long as she's in control of picking, who cares, right? I hope she monetizes it and not somebody else, like yeah. her fucking family again or something. Yeah, I think she'll I have full control over them. that. But I just wanted to quickly touch on that because OBS. It will be. There'll be movies made for this, like, for so long to come. Like, have we heard of a scandal? And I say this in air quotes. Like, this ever? Like, like a woman being This is probably the highest profile type of celebrity conservatorship that's ever existed. And at least in our time that we're aware of. Yeah. And and not just, like, a conservatorship that happened to a celebrity. It, It was an imprisonment. It was, like, obviously falsely required it wasn't required so clearly it was like a, a horrible situation going a, on yeah it was not, fraud yeah it would be one thing if this conservatorship started off necessary and then evolved into something terrible but i think we can all right we agree that wasn't really the case so it was just a fraud entirely so yeah i think so that is something to but be there's made gonna be so about. much more information coming out i think as time goes on so we'll see we'll see if it yeah. was ever necessary or not but i just but you know, that's i think the whole point who's to say who's to say it True. fucking was she's was living her life then as an adult woman and she still is now so like who's to say maybe she did want to go a little crazy and why couldn't she we all Anyways. go a little crazy sometimes and all the <laughs> fucking power to us especially when look at her circumstances anyways yeah. we've said it a hundred times we're here for you Brittany. <laughs> exactly and i guess now's a good time to actually get into the topic of our show um this is a conversation that we have wanted to have for a while too like most of our topics but this is a big one because we're getting into a side of nutrition that we haven't really ever talked about like we've had well nobody talks about it true except well except our guest um but yes I mean, she, so yeah, we're, we're going to be speaking with Julie Danilak, who is, oh, just love her. She, we could have talked to her for like days, honestly, but she is a nutritionist. She's an author. <laughs> yeah, we do. We need her knowledge. <laughs> yeah, she's a nutritionist. She is an author. She is a TV host. You may have seen her on Marilyn Dennis, um, if not you know, start watching Marilyn if you know Julie's going to be on because she's just like so fantastic. Um, and she's a f- anti-inflammatory food and lifestyle expert. So what does that all mean? She really focuses a lot of her um, information around like basically the hazards of having a, sh- a lot of sugar in your diet. Um, so she recently just launched her book, Becoming Sugar-Free. And we talk a little bit about that in the show with her. She gives way more details. But it's just, um, we were just blown away by the information that she shared. Like, we already know that sugar, large amounts of sugar is bad for you. Yeah, but not to the extent, I I didn't, and not to the fact of, 
like all the things that we cover, the alternatives, and also um, why it's bad for you and, and what it going without it could really do for the body. And Julie covers all of that in her book, which everyone should get a copy of as well. Um, because she, as she mentions throughout the show, she has recipes and so much information in there that we all need to be privy to. Yeah, exactly. And um, you can get her book at pretty much any major bookstore. <laughs> yeah. And of course online. Um, but yeah, she gives us just so much information. She talks about her journey as in becoming sugar-free, why from her childhood and like what led to where she's at now. Um, one of the things that my favorite thing about her is that she coined this term, live it rather than diet. We all are so used to saying diet and just the way she talks about it is like, it makes so much sense. Like why, when we're dieting, like it's just, you're kind of dying a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She changes the narrative for sure. Totally. And that's, and that's the biggest uh, takeaway that we took from this conversation is the importance of taking, uh, of changing the conversation, the narrative, the mindset around the foods we eat, the diets we are on. And, um, her approach is really cool because she really isn't like about just cut everything out, go sugar-free, go cold turkey. She she focuses more on like like you said, the alternatives, things that we've never even heard of. So anyway, you know, I we need to just get into it because she just does a way better job explaining and there's just so much information. So um yeah, hopefully you guys love this episode and um let us know what you think. So without further ado. Welcome, Julie. Welcome to the show, Julie. We're so excited to talk to you. Uh, We've been anxiously awaiting this conversation, and we're thrilled to have you on, and we have a ton of questions. But first, we we want you to tell us a little bit about yourself, us, and our listeners, um, because you are a myriad of things. You are a nutritionist, you are an award-winning author, a TV host an anti-inflammatory expert, and your latest book, Becoming Sugar-Free, has just uh, come out. So yeah, we're excited to hear all about it. Well, thank you, Lauren, Jess. It's such a, a joy to be with you and, and honored to have time and space to to share the importance of, of nourishing ourselves, loving ourselves through the food choices we make. And I guess that's the reason why I'm here is, is I had a two-time healing with food, uh, where food was the absolute medicine I needed. And that's why it has become so important. Uh, and I just, I can't wait to dive in. Thank you. Awesome. And, and yes, we are the ones that are honored just, just to clear that up to have you because <laughs> we have seen you on, um, Marilyn Dennis. I've seen you like covering the Instagram with, with friends of mine who are nutritionists as well. So having you on it is a bucket list guest. So thank you. Um, and I know that we wanted to discuss some of those healing, um, times that you discuss that you just mentioned, um, because that is so interesting. And I know one of them happened when you were young, mm-hmm. which was, you know, it's so interesting that that even happened. So can you just start with that? Like, sure. Dig right in there. Sure. So I was a crazy little kid. I couldn't sleep. I had terrible grades. I had true attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder, and learning disabilities. So it was a real challenge for my parents. Um, my mom read the work of Dr. Feingold, who wrote this really groundbreaking book called Your Hyperactive Child. 
and that's all it was called at the time. And she decided bravely to take me off of all refined sugars and uh, red dye and all artificial flavorings and artificial preservatives. It was a massive undertaking because in the 70s, things are not as they are now. And my grades went from D's to A's. I slept for the very first time. I stopped crying because I used to cry every time I ate white sugar. It would trash my brain. And my learning disability really went down significantly. So, yeah, it was a miracle. Unfortunately, because my diet was so strict as a child, when I became a teenager, I wanted to rebel. I thought I knew better. And Don't things got all, a little rocky from there. <laughs> but I'm so grateful. Like, thank you, mom and dad, for because my, my dad was totally on board. And it, it radically changed the menu for the whole family. And I'm so grateful for that. I bet. So when you were a teenager and you went back to the dark world of sugar, um, what? (laughs) It was so dark, Lauren. Yeah, so dark. I just the dark side. Yeah, it's a good way to put it because I was seduced to the dark side, you know. And and it was I worked in a tuck shop, and so I had all these crazy uh, treats around me: brownies and cheesies and chocolate milk. And that became my go-to. I would trash my lunch and and eat nothing but the junk from the tuck shop. And again, my grades started to suffer. My moods were in the trash bin. My PMS went through the roof. My skin went to went to, to total pot. My uh, I started to gain weight. I started to feel so insecure. That was the worst part. Is you know mm. it's bad enough to be a teenager, but I just felt so emotionally like ravaged. So, yeah. So then I just started to... Yeah, yeah. being a teenager and going through all the things that we go through. And, you know, it's crazy that you're even mentioning this because when I think of my teenage years, Lauren too, I mean, our rebellious things were like drugs and drink and things like that. So it's crazy to think... Yes, I know. I fell down the stairs on Tequila as well. <laughs> the peach schnapps. I remember. I remember. The good old days. Yeah. But then but adding in sugar. sugar infused. Yeah. <laughs> adding, sugar like, made Think it about worse. those drinks we drank. Oh. Full of sugar. Oh, oh, yeah. The thought of it now is gross. And I'm still on the dark side. I'm still with sugar. So, oh, I can't wow. even believe what our bodies were going through at that time. Totally. With and the sugar, just, too. Yeah. It's really understanding what's happening to us hormonally when we eat a vast quantity of sugar. So people don't realize it throws off progesterone. It increases your testosterone, so you're more anxious. You're more ready to fight with people. It actually does a real number on our neurochemistry. You know, it really plays with our dopamine, so it's very addictive. And we can end up in this downward spiral of highs and lows that is so different. Uh, when you finally break up with sugar, you realize, oh, that's what stability is like. That's what feeling relaxed in my own skin feels like so Lauren, i promise no you it's idea. worth it <laughs> we don't I know mean, this, I, I don't and i do because i have gone on i have attempted to go on uh what we call diets uh sugar-free diets in different stages but of is my it life sugar-free like actually well, i mean now that i've you know like listened to Julie speak and um, looked into so many different things, including like some of your other books, as well as listening to you on Marilyn Dennis, you know, and, and then doing my own research. Like, yeah, like that's one of the things that I wanted to bring up is that, you know, there's so many things out there that 
are disguised as healthier alternatives yeah. or sugar-free alternatives. But when you look at the ingredients, and my biggest example is like when I go shopping for my kids and to get lunch snacks, and I started doing this recently where I look at like things that in my brain would be like, this is packed full of sugar. This is literally candy. Oh, this is healthier. Then I look at the two and the Mm -hmm. one that you would consider candy has less sugar than the granola bar or the Nutri-Grain bar that is supposed to be healthier. So like, that's a big one for us, Julie. Like why, since we know all this, like this is not hidden information, what you're sharing. And I think for the most part, the general population in North America anyway understands like the, the side effects that are negative from sugar and like how kind of dangerous it is to your health and especially children. Yeah. Why do we why do we keep doing it? Like the addiction is strong. The addiction is real. Why is everything filled with sugar too? Like we can't escape it, it feels like. Even things that we don't know have sugar, like bread. Yeah. Yeah, like 74% of packaged foods now have a, a form of sugar. And the problem is sugar comes in many forms. So they've stopped calling it sugar. Now you read on the package and it's maltodextrin or it's it's uh, corn syrup or it's, uh, you know, oh, my favorite is uh, evaporated cane juice. Well, what is that? That's yeah, what hydrated that? sugar. <laughs> like that's just a sugar cane liquefied and then dried out. But all these these secret names, which I get into the 40 different names for sugar in the book, um, are so pervasive and they also hide out in areas that they shouldn't be hiding out. So our, our cereal is one of the fastest insulin spikes you do all day long. Um, just the, the yogurt that we send our kids to school with, like look at the fruit bottom yogurts and how much sugar's added. All sauces, all things like ketchup is riddled. Do you know ketchup is basically tomato jam? It's a serious yeah. place we hide oh my sugar, God, right? Don't say that. that yeah. is, I love ketchup. Well, I don't love ketchup, but my kids do. But now that you say tomato jam, it's just that's a whole but it's different true. ball game. Like you can that tell just, that yeah. it is. You can yeah, almost yeah, see crazy. granules of sugar in it when you look at it. <laughs> so luckily, there's there's sugar free ketchup on the market. You just have to go looking for it. Like it tastes great. There's no. The big thing that I just want to go out of the gate, because I'm sure a lot of people listening are like, what are we getting into? Mm -hmm. It's all about direct substitution. As long as you have newfound favorites, it drops away. I call it my methadone to my heroin. As long as I have something pleasurable, something joyful to lean into, then I don't need the original crack. Right. And that's a nice <laughs> but that's a nice way to put it because it does seem overwhelming, right? Like, okay, everything that you know and love, even down to your condiments, is an issue. So it's like, well, what the hell do I do? This is this is overwhelming. But when you start to implement small substitutes like as you go, like like just getting the sugar free ketchup instead of the tomato jam we are used to, you know what I mean? Just switch <laughs> that out. It's not so bad, right? Yeah. It's fabulous. And especially when your tongue adapts, because if you do some some taste bud training, you can actually train yourself away from sugar very quickly because you're, you're spiking your taste receptors so fast, so hard. But within 21 days, you eat sweet potato and you're like, whoa, that's really sweet. Or you eat an apple and you're like, what? That's a lot of sugar. It's fascinating how we just need to get wow. back to baseline. We need to get back to the taste buds that, that nature gave us and that we forgot about 100 years ago. Like it's only been about a hundred years that the sugar has been wildly out of control. Before that, 
uh, food was real food. And that's why our grandparents lived long and hearty lives. You know, we have to remember some of yeah. our grandparents were alive before they were antibiotics, for goodness sake. You know? And yet they lived to 90, to 100. So Mine are those I have a granny who is 94, a grandma that passed at 100, and a grandfather that was 92. So, I mean, like, and they lived through the war also and fought in it. So, the Second World War. So, I mean, (laughs) that says a lot. But that's just it. Like, what you said, Jess, is the the, going sugar-free seems extremely overwhelming. And I think also it's not just the fact that it's overwhelming just to think about it, but it's we're already addicted, as a, as a population, right? So, so it's not just the thought of, oh, now I'll just substitute these things. It's actually breaking an addiction. And how, how do we do that? Like, it mm-hmm. just seems, it really does seem impossible. I am open to it. And I would love to kind of train my family to follow suit um, little by little. Because my kids, my youngest especially, is obsessed with sugar. Like, he ha- he had a sugar tooth before he had a tooth. So, I mean, my other one, not so much, but my husband the same way. And because of it, like, I do see some of the bad side effects that sugar causes. But, like, what – so there's two things here. How do we cancel, <laughs> like, get rid bad. of our addiction? But yeah. then also, um, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? Like, why sure. are we so obsessed? Sure. So, so first I'll say that we have two options to becoming sugar-free and it's really important because it depends on the kind of brain you have. Some people are wired to do things very rapidly. They're A-type. They want results now. Or maybe you're really in a place where you have to break up a sugar for a medical condition. Maybe you have an inflammatory autoimmune condition or you have cancer or something very serious that has you go, yeah, I gotta break up a sugar. Then we fast track you and we really focus on the the specific non-caloric sweeteners like stevia and monk fruit that have no calories but give you that sweet taste that you're craving and then for everybody else we do this really slowly we do a lot of methadone to the heroin so to speak where we give you a lot of healthy um, naturally sweet things that do have a little bit of natural sugars in them but they still keep your blood sugar nice and level so we don't have the highs and the lows because our brain, when we eat sugar, the basically what happens is we put out this, this really important hormone, insulin, and insulin shuttles the sugars inside your cells, and then all of a sudden your blood sugar goes boom, it drops. There's actually an overreaction when you eat white sugar, where if you eat a piece of fruit, you don't have this overreaction, because the fiber is binding oh. the sugars for slow release, so you don't have the overreaction. So with white sugar, you have this overreaction, which causes reactive hypoglycemia where your blood sugar drops and then your brain screams because your brain is only two percent of your body weight but it's 20 percent of your energy needs and we have to remember all of the carbs are broken down into sugars and slowly given to the brain but if we have white sugar it just rockets to the brain so quickly that's why we can't get away from it because our body screams <gasps> oh my gosh, we're out of fuel, go, go eat sugar now. So if we can know this about our physiology, if we can understand that this is not our fault, then we can go, okay, what do I do to put myself in a safer place? Let's get a lot of these things on hand that's gonna help me break up with sugar. And we can either do it really fast if we're on an emergency, or we can do it slowly. Like, I'm not gonna lie, it took me 10 full years 
when I finally let go of sugar as an adult, it took me 10 full years to say, I don't want any additional sugars in my life. But wow. in that 10 years, I had a lot of fun. I, I cooked with coconut sugar, you know, maple syrup, honey, all these things that were so healthy that I kept going up the, the chain of health and getting better and better and better. And it's only been recently when I've been dialing in a health regime during menopause, now that I'm 51, going, okay, I want to take it to even the next level. So it's not like you have to go hardcore. And it's important for kids to not go hardcore because if we go so strict, the average child will, will be put in diet prison, which is the last thing you want yeah. for a child is to feel deprivation. But and if you give rebel. them... Yeah, if you give them lots of good choices and not to blame mom and dad, they did the best they could and they saved my brain and I'm forever grateful. But if if we give them more and more choices, then they circle back around as an adult. They might go through a rebellion, but they can often circle back around as an adult and choose that whole food lifestyle that will save their, their brain and their body. Because they would that. have that foundation, right? Even if they did do that rebellion, they kind of know... I know that what's available and I know how to get myself back on track. Hopefully if they decide like, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling great because of this. Well, that's what they would see because of the foundation. They would see that they're not feeling great and they do want, would want to go back eventually when they're not rebellious or whatever. You hope. Cause so well, many you hope, don't. But you like, if, if we just did that, like if, if we did that as kids, we wouldn't have had that change of baseline. I don't think because, like, would we have? Because we didn't have an underlying issue. Do you know what I mean? Well, did you? We don't know if you had an underlying issue. We don't know what your new normal would have been like. So, well, Jess, true. you have anxiety and yeah. you allergies. Um, allergies. I don't know if that's a thing, part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah. I do want to get into like some of the um, ailments or illnesses or things that mm. you could know be that sugar co- or yeah, you know, that we or don't could know. Be sugar cause that we don't know because like I feel like as parents we're kind of all setting up our kids to have issues like do you think a lot of the you know disorders that the kids are having these days could be related to their sugar diet and not just kids these days like well for example I'm just piggybacking off Lauren's question because nowadays people will say oh nobody had a peanut allergy back then but it's prevalent now or things like asthma or whatever, like things that we have that we think is just what we're born with is that... Or environmental. Yeah. Is that part of it as well? Absolutely. I I feel that oftentimes one of the most dangerous things about sugar is it affects our digestive system. It affects our microbiome. And when our, our... Remember, our microbiome is basically the ecology of our gut lining. And when our gut is thrown off because we don't have the right microbes calling the show, that's where we have anxiety. So unfortunately, if we have a lot of rounds of antibiotics, read the actual warning label. It will say this antibiotic may cause depression. This this antibiotic can cause anxiety episodes because it kills off the good bacteria that messes your brain. It sends a response through to your brain saying, everything's fine, stay calm. Where when the microbes are dead, it's like, ah, and what is replacing it? Because there's parking spaces freed up on the gut lining. The yeast comes in and fills those spots. I've heard about And when the yeast is really high, yeast 
has a direct message to the brain, eat as much sugar as possible. I need more fuel because yeast loves to live off sugar and flour and it will duplicate. So yes, yeast is often running the show. And if anyone has digestive problems, brain fog, anxiety, we have to look at the health of the gut. And that's where allergies come from. Your mast cells keep bursting open because of inflammation along the digestive system and an overreaction of the immune system to perfectly harmless food that you should not be reacting to. So as we change up the microbiome, eat super healthy, and keep our blood sugar nice and balanced, we have the ability to change, get rid of the yeast, bring back the good bacteria, calm the heck down, and make better choices naturally without forcing. Because that's the sad thing is, is uh, as long as we're dieting, we're under so much tension and we're always like, I have to have it. We have to just go, yeah. okay, sugar is more addictive than cocaine. Wow. And what can I, can I do? Tell. What treatment program can I get into to break up with sugar? Just like, can we accept that it's as dangerous as gambling, as drugs, as alcohol, as sex addiction? It's just another addiction. And it's okay for us to admit it. And that's why the first line of becoming sugar-free, 50 ways to leave sugar is accepting that you have a genuine problem. Because a lot of people are embarrassed or they think, oh, no, it's not a problem. The whole world's doing it, so it's fine for me to. Well, and it's legal. It's not like a drug. It's in the yeah. store. It's like in everything <laughs> that we everywhere. think we're healthy. Well, that's kind of something that I wanted to get into as well. Because when I think I'm looking at the nutritional value of something, I see there's sugar, of course, there's sugar and everything. But like how much... And I know you would probably say zero is, is the right amount, but how many grams is too much? Like, is 50 grams obscene? Is one gram obscene? Like, what is crazy? I'd love to get into this. And thanks, guys, for these questions. I have never gone this deep so quickly, and I love it. Know that 40 grams of sugar. Time, Julie. No, I love it. <laughs> I love it. 40 grams of sugar is 10 teaspoons of sugar. So remember that That's sugar is measured in grams and four grams is a teaspoon. So when you're okay. hitting 40 grams, that's 10 teaspoons. That's four over the legal limit. I should say legal limit. <laughs> <laughs> four over the suggested limit by the World Health Organization. So the World Health Organization says six teaspoons for women is acceptable. A day? Eight teaspoons for men is acceptable. But the average person's blowing that on half a pop or one oh. bowl of cereal. See, it's so hard to put it into perspective until it you is. like that. Like half a pop to me, like a can of pop. That half, is half a can of pop. Would that be, is, is too nothing. much. It's too much well, sugar. Well, your amount given is six teaspoons, but say a Mountain Dew has 10 teaspoons in one can. Oh my God. Yeah. So you can't Luckily, have anything else pop. all day, ever. <laughs> And, and that's, what is, that's, that's what's so upsetting to me about pop, because we now realize that one pop a day shaves four and a half years off the average person's lifespan. It's I believe that. I, just like smoking. Yeah, it's it is. smoking. I don't understand how it's not illegal. Like, I yes. feel like the issue here is, and again, I'm going back to kids, though, is that we're just like... No, because it is legal and it's so readily available and it seems like it's in absolutely everything and you're not, we're not fed 
on a daily basis in our social media, in our media period, TV, conversations at school, we're not given things, the alternatives. Like you talk about monk fruit a lot. And that was like a big thing that was that we really wanted to chat about too. So we want to get into that. But I've never heard of that until I heard you say the words monk fruit. So it's like we don't deal with the issues that sugar causes until you can actually, there's like an actual physical issue. And with children, you're, you know, maybe you have a child that becomes ADD or ADHD or whatever, and you go through this rigmarole of all this, these other testing, but like, does anybody really just go, maybe they're intaking too much sugar and this is causing a whole slew of issues and it's a diet thing. We're not even not told about the alternatives. We're not even told about what you just said. Nobody once ever told me the, how much sugar is in a pop. Like all we heard was pop is bad. Okay. Like, you know what I mean? We're never told how bad. Specifics. Like how much of it is bad. Like the other half of the pop is over your limit. You know what I mean? Saying that one little statement puts it in perspective, but we are never told that. And not to mention that's just the pop. What about the healthy things in air quotes, like the cereal we had that morning and the fruit snacks we have at lunch? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're not we wonder why we're, we're addicts. Like, it's yeah. not our fault that we've been sold a bill of goods and we yeah. have no idea. But now once, like to quote Dune, you know, the sleeper has awoken. Once you know what you know, just know that it starts to play in the background. And it's a beautiful thing. And that's why it can take... It can take a month, but it can take five years. But instead of saying, this is the sad thing I find with a lot of uh, people that I coach, they beat themselves up so hard about not being able to do it perfectly out of the gate. But if you were to say to them, would you sit down and play uh, like Beethoven right now? And they're like, no, I've never played piano. But we're like expecting you to eat perfectly, but you were never, ever trained. You were not given chef school. You were never trained how to make these substitutions. But, but why were but we, we even told about them? Why weren't we even told to this is important? Because to I do? think our family members didn't even know that it was an option that was good for them. And our doctors certainly aren't educated with four hours of nutrition training in the entire time they're in med school. They're but never why? told diet does anything. <laughs> That, but that is that not insane to you? I it feel is, like a little outraged that totally. something so basic could cure so many ailments in the societies, mm-hmm. like you know, diabetes, all the things, obesity, obesity. heart disease, all of the things. And I think it's just behavioral hilarious. disorders, behavioral yeah, disorders alone. Totally. Like, and I think that, well, like, I'm shocked. Um, you know, and I think the outrage is fair because it it's like we've just been born into kind of not having like a good start. Like I would, I would question what's how much sugar is even in the little jarred baby foods that we grew up on and loved and trusted. It's so similar to our parents were raised without seatbelts. And now we know seatbelts are important. It's so, so similar. we have to learn the hard way. Basically. We just, we just, we just have to now go, oops, we didn't know. And now we know, and now we can be empowered with our kids. And it's, it's exciting times because You know, people think it's hard to break up with sugar. People think it's scary to break up with sugar. And I'm like, actually, it's never been easier. It used to be like climbing Mount Everest. And now it's like taking a bus to the top of Machu Picchu. Like it is so easy that we can go. Thank goodness we have the alternatives. Yeah. Yeah. Which is great. I think there's a lot of other factors at play too, though, like, Things that work against someone like you, Julie, of what you're trying to do is educate the population on these alternatives. 
and how to make these changes in your life at a realistic pace. But marketing is so crazy mm-hmm. powerful. And another thing that I was thinking about yeah. when we were talking too is just kind of going back to being a parent um, is like the mom guilt, so to speak. Is so as moms, you know, when you have your first child, you try so hard. It's like, well, I'm not going to give them juice and I'm not going to give them this. And I'm not, you know, I, you do kind of have this idea, I, uh, myself and a lot of moms that I know anyway, um, of like, yeah, we want to kind of keep them away from sugar as long as we can because you don't want them to develop that taste for it so early that they don't want anything else, especially things that are healthy. But then when you kind of get into the mom community and it's like, oh, no, no, um, little Billy isn't going to have a cookie or no, he can't have a juice box. It It's the reverse. It's like, oh, God, let him have a juice box. Oh, he's just one cookie. So it's like <laughs> yeah. you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. And Which is crazy. so there's so many things working against you. And what as a mom, I don't know. I don't have the information that you have. So when I'm going to get into like a conversation with these other moms going, well, actually, sugar this, sugar that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's such a hard sell also to people to parents like the marketing like monster all you see on kids channels if it's not toys it's candy and sugary things so it and then they want it and they're already addicted and, and, and so you're just level exactly and you're just in this race of like trying so this uphill battle of trying to like balance them and then at some point I think we kind of all just like give in a little and and it's it seems like so much is working against you So what my mom did was explain to people, actually, Julie has a total intolerance to sugar. And if she eats it, she's actually going to have a meltdown. (laughs) So you don't want her to have that sugar. And it just really helped reframe. So it is just slightly working on the reframe for people. It's like, oh, actually, that causes asthma in my child. You wouldn't want them to have an asthma attack, would you? Because it can. Give them like an actual... You know, yeah, issue. something to hang the actual yeah. problem on instead of saying, well, my, my son doesn't eat sugar. You know, it sounds like a privilege. Like, yeah, you know, he's sugar well, free. Why does it? It, sounds, <laughs> it does sound like a little pretentious. It sounds a little dramatic. It sounds nuts, kind of. But why the hell is that the case? Like, sh- I think that's a big thing. I think that's a big thing to keep in mind is, is let's just run through it for a nanosecond. Like sugar is the leading driver of all inflammatory conditions, whether it be heart disease or dementia or kidney failure or, or absolute meltdowns with our skin wrinkling or our Acne, it's leading stress. cause of, of blindness. It's, it's, it's crazy what sugar does to us. And yet we just put it off and why? Because we don't see it now. We see it in years to come and children have such vitality they have such natural born vitality. You look at a child in India, right? Like, look at what they're eating. Almost nothing. They're running through the streets, smiling broadly. It doesn't hit them until later, typically. So I think right. that's the hard thing about kids is we would never do that to our car. We would never actually put um, like crude oil coming up out of the ground. We would never stick that in our vehicle and expect it to run but we're perf- we don't get our head around the fact that when we pump a kid full of sugar and artificial dyes and all this garbage, that we're literally doing that to our kid and, and calling it a treat. We're calling it fun. Or we, we have to yeah. let our kid have fun. Yeah, or else you're a bad mom. But we're poisoning them. 
Well, that's the thing. It's reframing the language and the conversation, right? Like so many other things. And like anything, um, that's really hard to do, especially when you've got 10 to one, right? 10 people to one saying, oh God, like it's just a cookie. It's not going to do that much. So it's like interesting to say, like I... I don't know how I, like, if I could work that into, like, my mom Try like, it. moments where I'm like, well, actually, they have an intolerance. I'm like, no, they don't. I know your children. Well, <laughs> like, okay. Well, they do so now. This, this is what a good way to think of it, too. You're saying 10 to 1, what, moms? But, like, it's not just 10 to 1. It's all of our history, all of the world, like, all of the, how everyone's grown up and lived and, like, everything, like you said, has been marketed. Um, and, again, like you said, Lauren, Julie's up against all this. But you're just one person. And again, I'm going back, you know, you you spin it really nicely, Julie, and you're positive about it. But I think it's a little infuriating that you are one person trying to go against like the government, um, all of these multi huge corporations that make all this money off it. How that is so fucking unfair that we you are trying to like tell us all this good information, but you are going up against everyone else because they're telling us other information. And I'm mad. I'm mad that I, I, I now have this addiction. Well, I, I'm happy to talk through that, but I just want to go on the record as saying I know it's my dharma to walk through this because I've gone from, you know, when you when you go from the dark back to the light and you see this this incredible surge of energy and positivity that comes from balanced blood sugar, you'll do anything for that. And I, 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 I had this organic saying come to me that nothing tastes as good as healthy feels because I can't stand people saying Nothing tastes as good as skinny feels like, oh, but nothing tastes as good as healthy feels like when you feel healthy, you absolutely will do anything to hold on to that feeling because when it goes away, like when I have an accidental allergic reaction to sugar because someone stuck it in there but didn't tell me, which happens in restaurants. Um, I, I like after 24 hours and the blanket of sadness comes off me, I go, all right, okay, it's good to actually know that that's what the average person is walking around with because it gives us tremendous compassion for what the average person's dealing with because I, I don't think people know that it causes like actually sugar sugar can cause depression anxiety and even bipolar it causes bipolar and there's a great study in my book I was able to sneak it in like in the 11th hour as it was going to press they just realized that sugar increases something in your body called uric acid, which drives the bipolar behavior. Wow. And so if people think that sugar doesn't cause mental illness, promise I promise you in five years, it'll be common knowledge that sugar causes pain. Sugar causes emotional grief. And why are we running towards something that in the moment will give you like maybe five minutes of pleasure and then will give you 24 hours of grief? It really does, though, because, like, I do experience that high and low, but in the form of, like, headaches, and I know it, and I still allow myself to go into the darkness (laughs) because I have that addiction, and I enjoy it. Like, I can't sit here and pretend like I don't enjoy a good cupcake or um, chocolate or – I actually really like candy, too. Um, So, I mean – it, I do, But I do feel it later. The headache comes on, and it's throbbing, and I sit there, and I go, well – that's the sugar. You knew that was yeah. going to happen, but you did it anyway. 
Well, so remember like, that in Becoming Sugar Free, it's so cool you said that because I have a delicious cupcake with icing, pink icing made from beet powder. I have a candy in the book. I have chocolate in the book, a ton of chocolate because we all love chocolate. And that you can go out to the store right now and buy delicious sugar-free chocolate that's deeply soul-satisfying and makes you feel like you're falling in love still with that phenylethylamine in it but does not leave you in the dumpster of sadness after you're done. So you can have it all. So does your book list, list like the places you can get these alternatives or just like the ingredients for the alternatives? Actually, well, I give you 85 recipes to go make it yourself, but then I say go to the health food store because there's so many pre-prepared items. And I'm amazed like the health food stores and then the health food store aisle of a conventional grocery store. And then those massive big box stores to be left unnamed because we don't want to give them a free ad. But the larger the box store, the larger the health food store within the store. Like I'm shocked at what's available. So, so what's your thing? Yeah, totally. It's because come it's a long making way, it available. I love that it's in big box stores because it's making it available. And it shows you people are voting with their dollars. And I love the fact that you can walk in, get things 50% off now. And I'm like, yes, it's becoming mainstream. We're not freaks anymore. <laughs> well, it's not freaky. And, and I do love shopping in the – I've recently gone gluten-free. And I put it in air quotes because I try my best. But then, of course, I will have a pizza. And it's not gluten-free. And, <laughs> you know, it's terrible. But you know what I wanted to ask you, Julie? You're doing great, sweetie. I know. <laughs> I try have, when was the last time you had McDonald's? Uh, 32 <laughs> years ago. What? <laughs> if you ate McDonald's right now, would, or would you even, would you be sickened at McDonald's? I just, I just, uh, I, I stopped eating it because of the ethics of McDonald's. I just found it so Which is a whole deplorable that I just never wanted to go there. And I know that they, uh, I think they put, I think they might put sugar in their preparation uh, to crisp up their fries more. Um, oh, so great. I really couldn't eat there. Um, and I'm sure I, my brain might be like, what? What's this? But I hope, like one thing I've noticed is now that I've been healing my gut for a solid 10 years, um, I don't react to things as severely as I used to, which is like. Because your body can actually process yeah. it now. Yeah. Because you had, because, um, you know, I've been on your website, and again, we've, we've seen you speak and, and everything, and you, through your diet and through this journey, healed colitis and healed arthritis, yeah. which is incredible because most people, I think, would know that arthritis is an, an inflammatory disorder, and, um, you know, it. I don't know how many people it dawns on that maybe having a sugar-free diet could really help relieve. I don't know. Can like, I mean, does it, can it cure it for sure? Like, I guess there's different types, but at the very least reduce that pain and swelling and, exactly. and the inflammation. That's what's incredible. Well, you do have to look to the full anti-inflammatory menu, which is so wonderful that Jess is exploring the gluten-free menu. What worries me is the gluten-free and air quotes. <laughs> People forget that, I know, that it, it, it's just, well, it's just so funny because people uh, get rid of one major problem of gluten, but they still have the substitutions that are highly processed white and refined. So they're finding that a lot of gluten-free breads are actually higher on the sugar sugars and spiking your personal blood sugar because they're so high 
and say tapioca starch or potato starch or corn starch, which are easily right. made into sugars right in your mouth. So we just want to think, hey, how about we move towards lower carb options like grain free, like grain free bread. So in the in the book, I have three different grain free bread options. My favorite is chewy baguette. And that has mm. no added carbs, like no flour, no sugar, but it actually has the mouthfeel that's a bit like bread. And it's about the same ease as making a batch of muffins. Like it's crazy easy. So I hope that that recipe catches on because it's my absolute favorite. And people have a starch tooth just as much as a sugar tooth, forgetting that starch becomes sugar in 60 seconds once you chew it. So like that's potato? what I have. I have mm. that. I'd rather eat potatoes White. or anything like that versus sugar. sugar. I don't, yeah. or like chips. I could eat chips every day. Mm. I, I used to, I want to, I want to eat chips every day, but I'm trying really hard not to. <laughs> well, you have um, to get some crispy solutions. Like I have keto crackers that are so salty and crispy and snacky that once you throw that into a dip, you're like, I can do this. This is because salt is okay, right? Well this is if interesting. Salt is okay. Just like flour and sugar, the problem comes from the refinement. So just look for pink salt, gray salt, look to unrefined salt because there's 65 different trace minerals instead of it just being sodium chloride, which is going to spike your blood pressure because it's only one mineral one mineral when you have it bound in a whole bunch of minerals, then you keep your blood pressure more regulated and you give your body all those trace minerals that it desperately needs to heal from head to toe. It's beautiful. So pink salt reduces your cortisol response, your stress response, helps to give you tremendous energy. I, I use it all the time to give me that natural lift because people forget that everyone thinks they need sugars when they actually need the minerals to turn those sugars into energy. You lack minerals typically. Well, I mean, that's good news for me because I'm a huge salt eater and we actually yeah. use Himalayan pink salt. I do so not, do I do not, I don't know when the last time I actually shook a, a white table salt onto something. And I, I think I have it in the house for cooking, but even then I still use my pink um, salt. But I kind of think that, you know, a lot of this too, people probably resist going like sugar-free or, or a healthier alternative because it seems more expensive or it is more expensive. I, I, I frequent those aisles in the big box stores. I am no stranger to health food stores either because I try and live a fairly healthy lifestyle, but it is expensive. But I was just thinking, you know, it's expensive, but I feel like you would probably eat less because you're not turning over the empty calories so quickly if you grab a you know a white bread muffin type thing but you're filling yourself up you're actually being satiated so what you're spending kind of lasts longer like does that make sense absolutely know that my sister i hope she doesn't mind me talking about this my sister um for a short spell um had a real low income moment in her life and the one thing she still did was feed her children brilliantly and she said, as long as you make it, it's, it's actually the same cost or less money than prepared food from the store. So it's just, it's just really do money or time. And I understand that right. if you have no money and no time, it gets to be more challenging. But the average person really um, is filling up the fridge with a lot of cheese, you know, cheeses, wines, crackers, breads, fancy meats. All of that is the most expensive food you can possibly eat. So if you look at the produce, if you look at the seeds, 
they're actually really cheap. So I can make my bread for about $2.50. It's the same price as That's regular bread. That's cheaper than bread. a loaf of bread. That's exactly. actually less expensive. And a lot it of, is. Yeah, a lot of people forget that. Um, I think the major problem is when you want to get into the pre-prepared, extremely fancy stuff like crackers made from only almonds. Well, almonds are running $25 a pound right now. So yes, they're going to be really expensive. So I've tried to swap out. they're so good. Yeah. Okay, those are my favorites right now as my substitution for regular crackers. Yes. So I tried to swap Do you have a better one? (laughs) Well, I made a seed cracker that's dirt cheap because flax seeds are cheap. Yeah, it's in my book. Flax seeds are cheap. Uh, sesame Ooh, seeds are cheap. Wait. Yeah, yeah. Pumpkin seeds are cheap, cheap. So um, just hitting that, you know, those great places to purchase your health food um, and sticking to seeds, sticking to produce. Man, it's so cheap. Not to say I'm vegetarian. Like, know that I do eat uh, animal foods now because I feel stronger on them. But uh, let's face it, like little tiny fish, incredibly cheap. Big cuts of of lean meats that most people turn their nose up at when you're cooked slowly into say like a brisket cooked um, is super cheap. Like the fastest and cheapest way to feed your family is to lean into some of these cuts that other people won't eat. We don't need to eat steak, but we can still have some iron rich protein uh, without breaking the bank. I love that. And that's a good point. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because there are ways around it. But I think a lot of it plays into the psychology of things. So with all of this, like just getting your head around the fact that, you know, it's time or money, like you said, you're going to have to give one if you want to do this. But how do you what do you suggest to people to change their thought process or their mindset about all of this? Like getting motivated to be healthier, I guess, is is a good way to put it. I think it's working on the self-love piece. And if we can go back into our childhood, one of the big pieces of the book is is getting to the emotional eating piece. One thing that really, really helped me was the EMDR or cognitive behavior therapy or some type of therapy that taps into our inability to show ourselves love. Because so often we make crazy poor choices as, as almost a self-harm. Like it's so interesting. We watch teenagers right now there's a crisis with uh, self-harming you know young girls cutting themselves but we don't realize that when we sit down and inhale food that's extremely harmful to us that it is a form of self-harm isn't that we're not eating food exactly yes we have to also remember anorexia isn't it strange that we we have to sit down and just sort of like give ourselves the space to get to the why we're eating what we're eating. So I have a huge chapter on finding the why. I'm getting choked up. That's interesting because I almost feel like it goes full circle when you talk about that, Julie, because if we come out of the womb, essentially, and as soon as we start eating solids, for uh, lack of better terms, um, you know, which are probably full of sugar. I tried to make my own baby food as much as possible for both my kids. And, uh, but you know, the jars were there, the packets were there. It was easy. It was quick and, um, you know, convenient. So you start this sugar journey immediately. And after hearing all the things that you've talked about that sugar can contribute to, if not cause anxiety, depression, the addiction itself, you kind of, the food is what dictates kind of 
everything in your life and like how you function, how you operate and why you maybe self-harm through eating or self-harm by not eating because it's something, the one thing that we can always control and we've talked about this a bit on the show before with um, other topics. So it's just like, it always goes back to kind of food and your childhood, I feel like, like how your body gets started and then the environment you're in during that time too. Um, do you like, do you think that's definitely a correlation? Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and I just want to say that, that, um, humans are born loving sugar, but they don't acquire a taste for salt till much later in life because let's face it, the very first thing we get is I'm crying on the breast, I'm crying, or a bottle, a child is immediately satiated. So we're hardwired to go, I'm upset, reach for food. Like it's such a natural thing that I don't want people to feel um, that I'm saying all times that we dive into food, we're self-harming. I'm talking about like, I used to be a person who could eat 3000 calories in one hour. Like I would eat a whole box of cookies, an entire pint of ice cream. And I would. Did you throw up? I would. Yeah, I couldn't keep it down. You have to. Like yeah. it's just way too much food, right? Yeah. So that's, that's like what an I'm extreme where addiction. We yeah, like, we're yeah. we're talking extremes yeah. for sure. Yeah. I think that it's hard too with food because, like any other addiction, you know, smoking, say, um, or drinking, you can quit it, but we can never quit food. We always have to eat. So that's the one thing that's harder. I you guess, you've right? you've raised it just. Because people, okay, let's face it, when you're in a drug or alcohol recovery program, you're kept to the side of the road and protected. You're basically asking someone with a food addiction to walk down the middle of a freeway every single day and say, stay safe, stay safe. It doesn't matter that the the chips are flying on this side and the the chocolate bars are flying on this side. It's a massive dance. And that's why I applaud anybody who chooses to uh, really get conscious with food, just see it as a vehicle in order for you to get conscious and the greatest act of self-love that you could possibly do. Because once you bounce your neurochemistry, everything works. Everything works. I love that. It's like the gateway to everything you've ever wanted in your whole life happens through your health. That's the gateway. Once that's sorted, boom. Do you think we, you know how you say we're on the dark side um, and then, or when you eat sugar, you take the blanket off and you're back to normal. Can we be like half in and half out? Like what if we reduce and do our substitutions? Like, do we have to be a hundred percent sugar free or can we just reduce? We do not need to be a hundred percent sugar free. It really depends on how sensitive you are and how much healing you need to do. And if you feel great, like my husband's a great, amazing example. Like he's athletic. He has no blood sugar problems. He has no inflammation. Of course Ugh, he can be. Lucky. I know, right? I know <laughs> he, he, he's more able to tolerate sugar. So he's chosen to let go of white sugar because he knows he has a risk of dementia in his family tree and he got so his genetics run, right? So do I. So my, my husband, it's an easy blood test. It's called APOE4 a variation of a gene that if it's switched on, then unfortunately you have a high propensity to get Alzheimer's. He drew the short card and has that gene. So now you can see how even though it looks on the outside that everything's great, he's eating for the next 20 years, not for now, but the next 20 years. So he doesn't eat refined sugars, but his body can handle 
more fruit than I can. It can certainly handle some dates. It can handle honey. It can handle maple syrup without him having this total meltdown where if I ate that, I would feel really, really poor. I love how you just said that. I think that's a really good, like positive thing to take away is eat for the next 20 years because again, it's always building that foundation to set yourself up for health, success, like you know, but with just, food, we never think of it that way. We don't because you're just eating for the moment. You're hungry, you eat. So I love that. And I'm going to kind of remind myself of yeah. that as I make my food choices yeah. starting now. Like, and get when I get that book and I'm definitely oh, going so to excited. really, we're going to have a family <laughs> sit down and read Julie's book. Yeah. And um, so I just wanted to say, Julie, before we close out, I would love if you could give our listeners like, either your top three alternatives um, or top three tips. Like what can you leave us with? Yeah, Yeah, totally. So first up, find out how much of a sugar addict you are. I have a really great sugar-free quiz on my website, becomingsugarfree.com. So it could not be easier to find. And then make sure to download my three steps to becoming sugar-free because that's like the quick guide that just gives you the Coles notes of what to do. And we want to start with uh, finding direct substitutions before we take it out. And this is how we also avoid food fights because I don't want you to be like, okay, kids, that's it. We're not eating any more sugar because that's setting them up into the, into the food prison, right? We want to be like, okay, we're going to try on lots of cool new choices and make sure that you like them. And then they'll be like, you're going to stumble across this prepackaged thing where they're going to love it. And you'll be like, you can even have them try sugar-free chocolate and not tell them it's sugar-free because you don't want to yeah. have any resistance. And that yeah, maybe not it. make it a big thing and yeah. just do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's my don't favorite advertise. thing is the, the direct substitution is key. And then once that's that's in place, then we start pulling in like, hey, can, on a Sunday, can we batch cook something and also start to play with the taste buds because they're really young enough that you can be like, hey, try an olive. Try an artichoke. Try it. And that's going to be like a note of bitter or a note of sour or a note of, of really funky, salty, weird flavor from an olive they've never tried. And they may not even like it first, but they might love it after seven tries. Children require seven tastes to actually adapt their pace, mm, taste buds. Good to know. And that's an evolutionary. Writing that down. Yeah, it's an evolutionary. Listeners, thing. write that down. <laughs> <laughs> well, is this in your book too, Julie? Because I was going to say your top tip should be everyone go get Julie's book. Oh, yeah. Because well, all the good you. stuff is in there. Thanks, Jess. I appreciate <laughs> yes, that. Yes, everyone should go get Becoming Sugar Free by Julie Daniluk. Um, and it, just one other thing too, Julie. I love how you, you coined um, the term live it instead of diet. Yes. Because diet like just if you break down the word diet you're diet you're kind of die with a t and so it's just so simple but I love it because I'm like that makes more sense like I don't want to like kill anything off from my life I just want to live and so yeah. um yeah. I, that's my tip from for from you for our listeners thank you thank you for that <laughs> move away from the you, diet Julie. yeah yeah thank you it's been delightful and I'd love uh, to connect with people. I answer, you know, 50 questions a day over on IG and Facebook. So hop on uh, and check out at Julie Danlock. And I'm sure all that will be in the show notes. But you guys have been really amazing to talk to. And I'm so glad that we got to the tough questions. You know, it was coming fast and furious at the beginning. And I realized if we can just satiate people's objections, if we can just have them feel like it's a possibility, that's when people will try it on. But if they're just scared coming out of the gate, then 
then I, I really want their fear of sugar to get bigger than their concern for starting because the best time to get started right. is to get started, to quote my friend Josh. So <laughs> I think it's Absolutely. a great point. Yeah. You're That's full of good point. points, Julie. Thank Aww, you so much for you. being on with us. Yeah, it was super yes, fun. thank you. I appreciate and it. everyone does need to check out your accounts and, like we said, get the book, Becoming Sugar Free. And uh, if you want more information, you can always follow us at Perspective underscore podcast too. And um, we can help connect you to Julie. <laughs> for some reason, you can't find her yourself. But uh, yeah, this was absolutely amazing. It's a lot to pack into an hour, but we're so glad we were able to chat with you. And uh, we hope we can chat again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.